edition of State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. He's John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotch. We were off for the Thanksgiving holiday week last week. It's great to be back on the air with you here on State Lines, and we hope everybody had a happy, a blessed, and a very festive Thanksgiving and the old Thanksgiving weekend. I know uh, my family was lucky enough. The turkey was big enough. We ate turkey all weekend. So hopefully if you like turkey dressing and stuffing, you enjoyed the same. And we are happy as much as we enjoyed Thanksgiving to be here early in the month of December because this really is the stretch run of the NFL season. And we've got full coverage of week 13 for you from a gambler's perspective. But before we do that, John Spataro, look, the local teams, the Chicago Bears, I'm chuckling because... This team at one point, John, was 5-1. and one. We were talking about them being a likely wild card team at the very least in the NFC. Well, in mid-October, the bottom started to fall out for the Chicago Bears, and they are now 5-6. and six. They have lost five games in a row. They lost in Green Bay. It doesn't look that bad when you look at the final score, 41-25, but that was not indicative of what happened at Lambeau Field. The Bears trailed in that game by a score of 41-10 after three quarters. Got a couple of garbage touchdowns late. Nick Foles did not play, still bothered by the hip injury. Don't know if he would have played, even if he would have been healthy. They might have turned it over to Mitchell Trubisky, who kept having his turnover issues after getting on the field for the first time in a long time, getting the start in that game. So make some sense of this for us, if you can, John, from the Bears' perspective. I know it's not only frustrating for the gamblers, but also the fans as well. Things are not going good for the Bears in Matt Nagy's third year. Well, you're really putting a tough task in front of me trying to make sense of this team. I think I've been pretty clear all season long that I have no idea what to do with this offense. I have no idea what to do with anybody who is involved in crafting the offensive side of this team other than to fire them. I've been calling it for weeks now. I I really do think Matt Nagy's time is up in Chicago. I think Ryan Pace's time is up in Chicago, and I don't care which quarterback you want to pick. We finally got Mitch back this week against the Packers. Look, if you were right Writing the comeback story for Mitch Trubisky, this was the Disney production. Nick Foles went out with an injury in the last game before the bye. You had an extra week to prepare. You were going up against your division rival. This was the chance for Mitch to come back, prove all the doubters wrong, win a game like he did at the beginning of the year, and go off into the sunset as uh, a guy who got too much doubt for his own good. However, that was not the case. This offense didn't even look uh, a, a single step better, in my opinion. David Montgomery had a nice game running the ball over 100 yards, but again, a lot of that came after this game was safely in the hands of the Green Bay Packers. Looking at what happened in the last five weeks is probably going to be one of the most depressing and one of the quickest falls in terms of a a playoff hope to a bottom dweller in the NFC North Division that the Bears will ever see in their history. Like you mentioned, Jason, we were talking about it. Easy wildcard team. All they had to do was keep up, uh, you know, a 500 record for the rest of the season after starting five and one. And there was very, very little shot that they were not going to make the playoffs. Now it is absolutely out of hand, in my opinion. They are still in it mathematically. Every time you watch a game, they put up the logo that says in the hunt and the Bears will be on there just because, you know, there is that extra team and maybe a 500 record will get you in. But in terms of momentum, in terms of, you know, feeling good about your team as a Bears fan and as an NFL fan, I can't really be expected to watch much more of this this season uh, with anything but just anger and despair looking at how 
poorly they moved the ball. And also the defense, you know, which had been the bright part the entire year. They lose Akeem Hicks, and they give up 41 points uh, to the Packers. This is going to be one of the worst games, looking back on it, that these two teams have ever played if you're a Bears fan. And all in all, I think the clock is ticking. I know that they're still hanging on the fringe of a uh, of a playoff appearance, but until Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are handed their uh, 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 exemptment or, uh, or severance packages, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I'm really not going to feel too confident about the future of the Bears in the, in the short term here. John, you mentioned the standings there just a moment ago and the Bears, and you're right. You watch the games. They always put up, when they talk about the playoff race, teams that are somewhat close to getting the last spot, even if they're not good teams because they haven't been eliminated or realistically nobody thinks they can make the playoffs. I'm sure there's a couple of Bears fans out there. Some people say crazier things have happened. They're 5-6 and six right now. Uh, you look at the playoff teams in the NFC, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Packers, and yeah, the Giants in the NFC least, as I like to call it, at 4-7 and seven are the division leader there. So if the playoffs started today, those teams would be in. And the wild cards would be the Rams at 7-4, and four, who do have a win over the Bears. The Bucks at 7-5, and five, who the Bears surprisingly beat at Soldier Field this year. And the Cardinals, who are currently... Six and five on the season. So the Bears and the Vikings both at five and six. The Vikings having the tiebreaker right now. But of course, they'll play again before the end of the season. The Bears and Vikings up in Minneapolis. So the Bears here only one game behind the Cardinals for that final playoff spot in the NFC. But you mentioned it, John, how bad this team is. When I, when I read that off, and the 49ers are in there too at five and six, so they're tied with the Bears and Vikings. But I, I, I read that off, and I, you know, if I if I had followed the Bears this year, I'd be like, oh, you know, those teams are probably similar: the Cardinals, Vikings, Bears, and Niners. Bears get a few breaks; they can maybe make the playoffs. But you don't feel like they're one game out of a playoff spot. You feel like they're one of the worst teams in the NFL right now because what they've done in these last five games, they've lost all five of them. So they look at they rather look as one of the worst teams in the NFL. And even with the schedule ahead of them, John, because you look, they still have, obviously the Packers are real good. The Vikings are a play-on team right now. But the Bears of the Lions coming up this week, we'll talk about that game a little bit later from the gambler's perspective. That's at Soldier Field. Interim coach for Detroit with Daryl Bevel. They're not playing well. They're 4-7. and seven. And the Bears also have the Texans, as well as the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are one of the worst teams in the NFL. So conceivably, the Bears could win eight games, nine games based on that schedule. But even as I say all that and try and convince myself the Bears, there is some hope there, I'm just not feeling it. Absolutely. And and speaking of the schedule, lest we forget the beginning of the year, the team could have easily lost every single game that they won. Those five wins were not necessarily in convincing fashion. Maybe maybe except for the Panthers game. We know what happened the first game of the year between the Bears and Lions. The Lions had the game won and literally let it slip through their hands on a pass at the goal line that would have given the Bears a loss instead of a win as time expired. So that's an easy one to take out of the books. They needed a miraculous comeback to beat the Atlanta Falcons on the road early in the year when Nick Foles came in for the first time this year. They somehow, you mentioned it Jason, somehow beat the Buccaneers. I'm still not sure how that goes. And the Bucs are one of the most up and down teams in the NFL right now so it's it's not ridiculous to think that they could have gotten them uh, at a home game on a Thursday night at Soldier Field but you're absolutely right there are wins left on this schedule if this team was playing decent football I can't say they're playing decent football they're averaging under 20 points per game in their last five games and they've all been losses I don't believe it's possible even with the best defense in the world even with the 85 defense if you could resurrect them and put them on the field right now it is very 
very hard to win NFL games scoring under 20 points. And really, that's three touchdowns. One of them can come from the defense. One of them can come from special teams. But the Bears are getting none of that. And as a result, they play some of the most bland football on offense. And with Akeem Hicks gone, this defense is not the same. They're just not stopping the run like they did at the beginning of the year. Aaron Rodgers, who has played this team, you know, time in and time out and had his way with Bears defenses for years, it seems, was completely undeterred on Sunday night uh, when, when he was taking down the Bears yet again. It, it just hasn't been uh, a, a reliable season um, for the offense, and, and that puts so much pressure on the defense. So when you lose a guy like Hicks, it's really going to be tough for them to dig out. So yes, they could beat the Jags. They could beat the Texans. However, they could also put up 14, 13, 10, 7 points in those games, and it doesn't matter how bad the opposition is because chances are somebody's going to find a way to score more. So I'm with you. They could be a, a they still could be a fringe playoff team. They are not mathematically eliminated by any sense of the word. But in reality, is that really what the fans and what the team would want right now? That just gives you a higher draft pick. It gives you a, a, a purgatory situation where you can't really make a big move in the upcoming draft. And it just kind of prolongs the inevitable that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace get fired in the offseason and we start this whole process over again, maybe with another free agent QB or another patch, you know, with Nick Foles for another year just to see, uh, you know, as we as we ease into a new regime at Hallis Hall. So overall, I, I guess at this point, I wouldn't be disappointed if I got to see the Bears go to the to the playoffs by any means, because those have been all too rare as a Bears fan in my lifetime. But really, I, I, I can't say that I'm, I'm expecting them to, to beat anybody right now the way that they're playing. Well said, John. And yeah, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're as good as the Bucks right now who have had their struggles, the Cardinals, even the Vikings, or even the 49ers, all the issues they've had coming off making the Super Bowl last year. And, and that says a lot about how bad the Bears are playing because record-wise, the Bears are right there with all those teams or just a, a game or two behind in the standings. But before we get more to Nagy and we talk about the Lions, and we talk about pace. I want to pick your brain a little bit on that at the start of next segment. But before we do that, John, you you mentioned the Akeem Hicks loss and how Akeem Hicks being out really changes everything for that defense, and you can't expect all that much with Akeem Hicks out. You're right, but I think to build on that, that's a huge problem for this organization, for Ryan Pace, and maybe to a lesser extent Matt Nagy, because Pace is the guy picking the players. Nagy's more signing off on the players that they bring, and he's got input, but he doesn't make the final decisions. So as much as I can criticize Matt Nagy for a lot of things right now, I can't really criticize him for that, what I'm about to do, because as good as the Bears' defense has been at times, there should be enough depth when you have a guy like, like Akeem Hicks, who's a really good player, don't get me wrong, He's not Adama Kingsu in his prime. He's not Aaron Donald. He's not a Hall of Famer. But he's a really good NFL player. But the drop-off should not be this bad when you go to the bench and you have to play a backup on the inside of the defensive line. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. And we come back, more on Bears-Lions. Also, I want to pick John's brain. Will Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace actually be let go by this franchise if things go really bad? considering they have one year left on their contracts and the Bears are not known as a team that likes to eat money. We'll talk about all that on State Lines with me, Jason Gotch. He's John Spataro. All that coming up right after this.
to have you aboard for another edition of State Lines, our first show in the month of December 2020. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everybody out there. Glad you are with us. The Bears and the Lions at Soldier Field this Sunday, noon kickoff. If you think things are bad for the Chicago Bears, check out the Detroit Lions. Matt Patricia and general manager Bob Quinn were fired right after the Thanksgiving Day debacle in Detroit, the Lions' home loss to the Houston Texans. So Daryl Bevel, the former Wisconsin Badger quarterback who took that team to a Rose Bowl in the 1990s and has been all around the NFL in his coaching career as an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, he gets promoted to be the Lions' interim coach for the final month of the season. So Detroit at 4-7, and seven, not exactly having a good year. Typical Lions season up in Detroit. The Bears, 5-6 and six coming into this contest. The Bears are listed, John, in this one as a 5-point favorite. The total is 45. From the gambler's perspective, give us your thoughts on this game because if you're trusting your money on either one of these teams – Guess what? You're taking a chance because neither one right now is worthy of trusting any money. Yeah, this is one of those opportunities I speak of where if I wasn't uh, doing the show with you and forced to make a pick, I probably would just ignore this game altogether because it's between two sorry franchises that are heading in you know, the same direction, which is down. However, you got to give it to the Lions because they've actually committed one way or another, fired their coach, fired their GM. We talked about it a little in the first segment. I think that's what the Bears should have done already, but the Bears do things a little bit differently, so we might have to wait uh, for that payday to come uh, a little bit later in the year or in the offseason. But this game in particular, look, if there's going to be a team that the Bears are going to get back on track with, it's probably going to be the Detroit Lions coming off, firing their coach, getting blown out on their home field on Thanksgiving to a bad Texans team. It doesn't really seem like the Lions are committing to excellence this season either. So I'm going to go with the Bears in this one. You mentioned it started at five and a half points. I think this one's going to end up closer to a field goal by the time it kicks off which really uh, is probably where I put most of the Bears games these days. If the Bears are going to win, they're going to win close. I don't think they've won a single game uh, by more than a single score in months, if not years, under Matt Nagy. So all these games are going to be close. Maybe the defense turns around after getting knocked around by Aaron Rodgers last week. Maybe the offense, now that you know we've seen what Mitch can do again for the, the second time this year, maybe they commit one way or another and, and start something different different you know that we've seen the first 11 games of the year although I, I'm, I'm really running out of patience to see something like that but it's just the quality of opponent I don't think that the uh, that the Lions are going to be able to hang with the Bears defensively I think it's going to be very close to the first game that these two teams played like I mentioned the first segment should have been a Lions victory slipped out of the hands but that was a different time this is just two teams two ships passing in the night that are probably going to sink uh, before they reach their destination which would be the play playoffs this year so give me the Bears I, I would watch this line I think it's going to go down I think there's going to be uh, a, a lot of money on the Lions to cover because I think people are uh, out on the Bears after watching them get bullied in Lambeau Field so uh, take take the Bears in this one I don't feel great about it but if I have to make a pick I think that this is their best shot uh, to get back on track within the division get back to 500 and who knows maybe restart the playoff conversation well, John, I'm with you on this one. Look, again, as we said, hard to trust your money on either one of these teams. And I think you bring up a good point before I get into why I agree with you on the Bears, picking them, laying the points. But for some of our newer listeners, what John mentioned, hey, the line 
five, five and a half when it opened. He believes it's going to go down maybe four, three. Who knows what the line movement will be? But John's pretty, pretty perceptive about these things throughout the season, and we do see a lot of line movement, especially in the COVID era when you never know what's going to happen as far as players being ruled out or games being postponed and then canceled or made up at some point later in the season. But shop around or maybe wait. If you're going to bet the Bears, maybe wait until a little bit later in the week. If the line's five at the time we tape this show, it gets down to four or three. That's huge in the NFL. These odds makers are scary good on where they set the number. How many times you watch an NFL game and it comes down to the last few plays, what team covers the spread or the spread's three and a half and one team wins the game by three or four points. So shopping around for lines in gambling is no different than when you buy a car or when you buy your groceries or whatever else you buy in the open market. It's a, we're a country of free enterprise and open competition. If the guy across the street is selling something cheaper than the guy on the other side of the street, you go to the guy usually if it's the same product that's selling something cheaper. So shop around for those lines. And I'm with, as I said, John, on this one. I'm going to take the Bears minus the five. The Lions have been more disappointing than the Bears this season. Mitchell Trubisky is going to start this game. And as bad as he was, in my opinion, for the Bears and the Packers game, because he had some really bad turnovers. And I've always said, I don't care what a quarterback does stat-wise as far as how many yards they throw for, how many yards they might run for, how many touchdowns they throw for, their completion percentage. All that's important. But the number one stat to me, turnovers. You turn over the ball three times in an NFL game. I don't care. He didn't. But I don't care if he would have thrown for 400 yards and five touchdowns. Three turnovers is unacceptable. I have a feeling that Trubisky is going to play better this week. And I actually think Trubisky at this point is a better fit for the Bears than Nick Foles. Trubisky can at least move around behind a bad offensive line. Something we have not talked about. The Bears offensive line is brutal. You have a bad line. You have a hard time winning. Especially with a guy like Nick Foles who's a statue back there. Trubisky can do a few things with his legs. The Lions defense is not great. The offense is not all that good either. That's why the Lions are 4-7. and seven. First game under an interim coach. They might be fired up for that one. They got a little extra time to prepare the Detroit Lions do for this one because they did play the Thanksgiving Day game against the Texans. They lost that at Ford Field. So basically a week and a half for the Lions to prepare for this game. The Bears coming off the Sunday night contest. But I don't think that's actually going to be a huge difference here. I think the Bears are going to win this game. I think they'll win it actually somewhat comfortably. I could see this being a 7 or 10 point victory. As far as that total goes, I'll take a chance and say the Bears offense, which has been frustrating all season, breaks out and scores some points here in the Lions, might do the same against a, a Bears defense that, again, was not good in Green Bay. So I'm going to go ahead and say take the Bears, lay the points. It's five right now. I'll lay the five. I'll go over 45 with the with the total there, picking the side as the Chicago Bears. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. This is, this is State Lines. We get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. John, I want to get real quick here with you about Matt Nagy because you've been pretty open here throughout the show that it's time for a change for not only Matt Nagy's reign to end coaching the Chicago Bears, but also for the general manager, Ryan Pace, to be shown the door. And I can't disagree with you at all. I mean, I think Matt Nagy, when he went off earlier this week and he said the, the coach has got to step up, the players got to step up, it's unacceptable what happened in Green Bay, he was more fired up than I can ever remember him being in his almost three-year tenure with the Chicago Bears, real demonstrative with the media on his conference call Monday after that Packers lost. It almost sounded like Matt Nagy was trying to convince himself that he has not lost the locker room. Because what he was saying there, if you read between the lines, it almost sounded like he knew his team had somewhat quit. And when a team quits in November in the National Football League, 
uh, on a coach. That shows me, especially when the team started five and one, and now they're five and six with five straight losses. That shows me that t- the team is quitting or has quit on their head coach. So I throw this out there because everything says at this point Nagy and probably Pace should be gone. But knowing the Bears' history, they're not exactly the most open with the uh, purse strings, so to speak. These guys have a year left on their contracts, respectively. Do you think the Chicago Bears would actually consider eating the money on Pace's contract and Nagy's contract and going ahead and let them go and basically paying two coaches and two general managers next season? Or do the Bears say, well, Nagy was 12-4, and four, then he was 8-8. Eight and eight. This is the COVID year, so you really can't judge them too much. They brought in a new quarterback in Foles. It didn't work out. We got to give them year four with Pace to, to, to really, really evaluate his tenure. How do you see this one playing out? Not what you want, John, but what you think the Bears will do. Well, I, I think there's a couple things in play here. You know, first of all, should they make a move? Should they fire Nagy and Pace? Absolutely. That's a no-brainer to me. I don't have to think much longer about that one. I've seen all I need to see between the offense and then the personnel decisions that Pace has made to know that these two do not have a future uh, that ends in a Super Bowl with the Bears. Now, will they? That's a much more complicated question. You mentioned, Jason, they are a very uh, conservative team with the pocketbook. They do not like to cut big checks and then fire people and still pay them. It's, It's just not in the Bears' blood. And that really goes back to, you know, who the Bears are as a team they are they're owned by Virginia McCaskey you know a foundational member of the NFL with her husband George Hallis and with you know just the Bears being who they are they are a cornerstone cornerstone franchise of the NFL they they thrive on legacy they thrive on tradition they thrive on you know being a a, a very uh, important historical element to this league and what it's grown into that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the most progressive or that they're, they're, they're the quickest to act in terms of you know getting new coaches or trying new things or being on the cutting edge of some of the trends uh, that other teams enjoy around the league so it's going to be tough I'm, I'm sure for everybody in that organization from the top on down to to really feel good about a future that involves Nagy and Pace I mean they're great guys I'm not running them down as you know for their character or anything like that but like you said Jason if this team is thinking about quitting on them in November you're basically going to trot them out next year as a lame duck they know that there's no future they know that this is not going to be a a, a long-term solution and they're really just playing to collect a paycheck I don't think the Bears organization and the ownership would want that I think they do take pride on every single game that they take the field they have a certain standard they're not going to put together a team that's you know deliberately tanking or uh, a team that's just going to go out there to collect their money and leave they do want to see hearts they do want to see people trying hard but you also got to consider the fact that I think the Bears organization Nagy Pace the McCaskies Ted Phillips everyone involved are so lucky that there are no fans in the stands this year because if the Bears would have just lost five games in a row and to the Packers to boot to be the last one to come home this week against the Lions if the Bears were losing at any point or lost to the Lions I think there may be a riot inside Soldier Field I think that the fans would have completely turned on them especially two years after rocking and rolling with a playoff game at Soldier Field that ended in the double doink to see that transformation would be such a red flag for me and an alarm for the organization that your fan base is just completely 
unhappy with the way that these last two years have gone. So to answer your question, I, I'm, I'm not shy about it. I've said it for the last three weeks, I think, in a row on the show. I'm done with Pace and Nagy. It's time to move on. Let's get something new in here. Will that happen? I think that remains to be seen. I thought the right time to do it probably was Monday of this week after the Packers loss. Obviously, we're going to extend past that point now, uh, but maybe in the offseason or maybe before then, uh, the Bears ownership makes a move, surprises us a little bit, and and that would reinvigorate the fan base, I think, more than anything that they can do on the field this year. Yeah, the Bears are not known for firing coaches in the middle of the season. So I think the the time to watch is that first week of January, right after the new year turns, right after the, the final game of the regular season, assuming the Bears aren't in the playoffs. We'll know within a few days of the end of the regular season. You know, Black Monday firing, maybe there's even Sunday after the game if Nagy's gone in pace. But if it drags out to, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday and then they have that season-ending press conference that they have every year to tell us how bad the Bears were and how they're going to turn things around, then you know they're going to be back for another year. But I think that's when you look at it, that first week of January. We're going to know one way or the other if Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace return as the brain trust for the Bears. And let's face it, the last four games are really going to matter, I think, in my opinion. Because I didn't think there was any chance Nagy was going to be fired until that Packers game. But when you saw what I think happened out there where the team quit on him, not just Akeem Hicks being out, Trubisky not being you know, a guy who could protect the football. If the Bears quit in these last four games, I don't know how you don't do what John did, meaning change the coach. You, you, you can't have bring back most of those guys next year knowing they quit on the head coach this year. So these last four games are going to be really interesting one way or the other. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. We'll look at the Week 17 card in the NFL. Get a week, I beg your pardon, Week 13 card in the NFL. And we will go ahead and do that and give you our best bets coming up right after this brief timeout. of State Lines, the week 13 of the NFL version, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. John, before we get to our best bets a little bit later on in the show, let's go through some games that will be on TV here in the state of Illinois, depending on where you live. Of course, the big state we have, it's divided up, NFL loyalty. So we'll talk about some of those games that are going to be on TV here in the state of Illinois. One of the ones that will have a lot of interest, the Green Bay Packers. Packers are a national team, of course, following not only among people who don't like the Bears in Illinois, but throughout the country. The Green Bay Packers are going to be playing the Philadelphia Eagles. The total in that, or rather the side in that game is seven and a half. Where Carson Wentz was a few years ago before he had that unfortunate injury to where he is now looking like a guy who might not be a starting quarterback in the NFL. In fact, Jalen Hurts took a snap without Wentz on the field in the loss by the Eagles to the Seahawks back on Monday night. The Eagles are struggling. They're not the same team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, The Packers are one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the best team in the NFC. You can go ahead and look at their line. It's seven and a half. The Packers are a favorite in this game. The game's in Green Bay. Give us your thoughts on this one, John. 
Well, the Philadelphia Eagles, if you watched the game on Monday night, may have uh, achieved one of the worst beats or worst pushes, depending on where you were at and which side you were on with that Hail Mary that just happened to be deflected into the arms of a receiver for the Eagles and, and pushed or covered for them against the Seahawks in a game that they weren't all that competitive in. I mean, it really wasn't uh, as close as the score suggests, but either way, that happens sometimes when you're betting. This one, uh, you know, it, it's tough because Carson Wentz is the biggest liability on the Eagles. Uh, I don't think he's that bad of a quarterback, really. I, I think that he is uh, playing worse than he is. Uh, a lot of people have given up on him completely, but he can still make throws. He can still move a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that he is anywhere near the worst quarterback that's currently playing right now. I'll look at uh, what's going on in Denver, what's going on in Chicago, and what's going on in Jacksonville for those honors. But overall, I mean, this one's going to be pretty hard to peg. I think that this all comes down to the number. Number, uh, depending on how it moves, you know, nine and a half points or eight points or seven points, wherever it ends up for the Eagles is going to be a lot because they do play some close games and their their defense is able to, you know, uh, force some turnovers, get some sacks and maybe get Rodgers a little uncomfortable. The Packers have also played some stinkers this year. We've talked about it before the game against the Vikings, the game against the Buccaneers and the Eagles, you know, the Packers are running away with the division. The Eagles are locked in the NFC least like you said, Jason, they are fighting for their playoff lives, even if that means winning the division with a, a, a six win or less uh, record. So I'm going to go with the Eagles in this one, not because I think that they're the better team, but because I think they're getting enough points and they just happen to find a way, even if it is a Hail Mary at the last second, to keep games close. I don't see them losing by double digits in this one. It could be a touchdown. It could be just over a touchdown that would be uh, a tough if you get it at seven and a half or eight, eight or nine points. But I think the Eagles, I think Carson Wentz is going to find a way to score enough. Maybe there would be a transition in this game. They kind of flirted with it. The Eagles did by putting Jalen Hurts in last week. Uh, maybe we see that, and that changes things uh, completely for the Eagles going forward. But I think Wentz has just enough to keep this game uh, close enough to get a cover, not necessarily a win. Yeah, John, you know what? I'm going to agree with you on this one. It, it, it scares me that the Eagles are playing so poorly right now. It scares me that Carson Wentz, you're right. He's not what Denver's running out wide receivers at quarterback that are on the practice squad that, that were wide receivers in college because of the fact that uh, they, they had the COVID issue where all the quarterbacks are ruled out for that game against the Saints last week. The Jaguars QB is a mess. You go ahead and you look at what the Bears are doing. It's bad too. But that... Coming off the Monday night game uh, does scare me for the Eagles still. I think the Packers are in a letdown spot here after beating the Bears. I mean, that, that game really solidified where the Packers are at in the NFC North. Kind of won that division, if, if not in reality, on paper, for all intents and purposes, because now the Packers pretty much have the advantage over everybody in the NFC North, and they handed the Bears another loss. So could be a little bit of a letdown here. Plus, right now, you're getting 7.5 in this game. Uh, that's nice always to get the hook. If they lose by a touchdown, the Eagles, you go ahead and you say, hey, they can cover by that half point, which seems to happen a lot more than you think it would in the NFL. And on top of that, you're right. The Eagles are really fighting for their life still in the NFC East. It's amazing how bad they are this season. It's amazing how bad the Giants are at 4-7. and seven. And leading that division, the uh, the Washington football team's also four and seven. The Eagles are three, seven, and one, and they're 
only a tie behind for the lead in that division. So they need this game a lot. Give me the Eagles. I don't think they win it, but they play it close. I'll take the seven and a half. Another one here we're looking at, you mentioned the Jaguars, John. The Jaguars and the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings have been playing a lot better after a slow start to the season. The Jaguars are one of the worst teams in the NFL. This one's in Minnesota. The total's 51 and a half. The Vikings are a nine and a half point favorite. Can the Jazz or the Jaguars surprise like they did in Green Bay a few weeks ago? Keep the game close, or will this be the Vikings' day? Well, we're really on a crash course for one of the games of the year in terms of a toilet bowl sense. When the Jacksonville Jaguars meet the Bears uh, uh, two days after Christmas uh, in Week 16, mark your calendar for that one because that one might be an opportunity to hammer an under of like 14 points or something. Because both of these offenses, the Bears and the Jags, are not doing anything uh, particularly well at this point in the season. Speaking of doing things well, the Minnesota Vikings have turned their season around since they beat the Packers. Dalvin Cook's much more involved in the offense after coming off the injured list a few weeks ago. And Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball pretty well. Jason, I know that you're not necessarily a Kirk Cousins believer, but I've been following him a little bit this year, uh, especially since that game he won uh, against the Bears, got the monkey off his back and, you know, was able to uh, win on Monday night in prime time for the first time in his career. And he's starting to look like a little bit more of a competent quarterback than he did at the beginning of the year. So I'm going to go with the Vikings in this one 10 points you know double digit I usually get a little afraid of that uh, to pick a favorite just because the NFL is the NFL and you never know what happens late but there's no reason for me to think that the Vikings are not going to continue putting up big numbers on offense and just not be able to be matched by the Jaguars they are as inept an offense as it comes maybe only for the Bears I, I really don't think that uh, after going 0-4 in November the Jaguars are finally going to find a way uh, to stop the Vikings who have been red hot uh, after turning their season around. So it's a lot of points. It's not necessarily uh, a gimme by any stretch, but the Vikings, I think, are going to find a way to play well enough at home to keep their season on track. I mean, they're they're now going to be firmly in second place uh, of the uh, NFC North with a win or at least tied with the Bears, depend on what they, depending on what they do with the Lions. So you have to think they thought they were eliminated at some point earlier in the year, maybe not in Internally, but certainly a lot of people were writing them off and now they're going to be uh, a second place potential wildcard contender coming down the stretch so I like the Vikings in this one I think they're playing good ball I think the Jags go to 1 and 11 and uh, are really in a tight race with the Jets uh, for that number one overall pick and likely the rights to draft Trevor Lawrence boy the Jets are so bad you forget the Jaguars are right there with them and the Jags of course, won their opener, and then they have not won since. Pretty amazing. And I agree with John. I think the Jaguars will be a one-loss team after week 13. But I disagree with John as far as the spread goes. I'm going to go ahead and run with those 9.5 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Something tells me that the Vikings play down to their competition a little bit here. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I think the Jaguars find a way to cover that big number. So give them the Jaguars plus the 9.5. When we come back on State Lines, John Spataro and myself, Jason Gotch, will talk about one more game you'll see on TV throughout the state. That's the Sunday nighter between the Broncos and the Chiefs. And then we'll get to our best bets, three of them for each of us against the spread. Back to wrap it up right after this.
Welcome back to State Lines. It's that time you've been waiting for. Our best bets against the spread. John Spataro, myself, Jason Gotch, each give three games that we like more than any other from the gambler's perspective. But before we do that, one more game to get to for the national TV audience that's going to see it on Sunday Night Football. Not exactly a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a game we'll be seeing not only throughout the state of Illinois, but throughout the country. The Sunday Nighter, the Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the total in this game right now listed at 49. The Broncos are a 13.5-point underdog. Denver had that awful quarterback issue last week. They should have a real quarterback on the field this week with the COVID restrictions passing for uh, their quarterback room, so to speak. So, John, do you think there's any way that the Broncos and Vic Fangio try to keep this one close? Personally, I do not see them winning this game at Arrowhead. Definitely not. I mean, I remember when these two teams played earlier in the year, I was hopeful that the Broncos were going to keep it close. I think I took the Broncos and the under in this one because I felt like Vic Fangio's defense and the Chiefs defense, too, who's been pretty good this year, was going to keep it a low-scoring affair. I do not feel the same way anymore. Look, I said it when the, the Broncos, um, excuse me, I said it when the Chiefs lost to the Raiders that I, I thought that that was going to be their one stumble, and then they were going to hit the gas and run all the way back to the playoffs and like the Super Bowl and that's exactly what they're doing I mean last week with Tyreek Hill going for 200 plus yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter just tells you that this team is playing a different game I mean they really are uh, operating offensively at a different level than everybody else in the NFL meanwhile the Broncos are operating at a different level than anybody else in the NFL right now but for different reasons because like you mentioned Jason they have a quarterback who played wide receiver uh, for most of his professional career as a practice squad member and played quarterback in college and that's qualifying him to be an NFL quarterback right now because of the COVID rules so it's a fluid situation there's still a lot of time before this game gets played I'm sure that there'll, there'll be a, a better uh, effort on the offensive side of the ball from the Broncos this year uh, than we saw or this week than we saw last week but overall I don't think they have nearly enough firepower to contend with the Chiefs right now they're just playing a different game it, it just looks like they're, they can do whatever they want Mahomes can throw it where he wants if you want to take Tyreek Hill away okay Travis Kelsey is going to have a big game if you want to take them both away Clyde Edwards Alaire is going to have a big game so it's up and down left and right uh, a better team that the Chiefs are than the Broncos so this one usually I shy away from big spreads I've said that all the time but this one uh, I don't see being very close at all it could be a fun bounce back spot for the Broncos you know they they were in such shambles last week maybe they pull it together and cover I don't think they have any chance to win but maybe they keep it close and cover but I'm not going to bet on that I'm going to take the Chiefs and just expect them to continue playing at the level that they have been uh, which makes them look like the best team in the NFL well I don't disagree John that the Chiefs are going to win that game but I want to say that the Broncos go ahead and cover that big number of 13 and a half points the Chiefs had that huge win over Tom Brady and the Buccaneers last week so I'm going to go ahead and say that the Chiefs do win it and win it rather easily but not a at a 13 and a half point spread. So I'm going to jump on the Broncos in this one and take them plus the 13 and a half. We are at that point in the show now that you have all been waiting for. And we've been on the air. John Spataro and many of this week, these weeks has been really, really on fire. Had a couple of good weeks in the month of November. So let's get to it, John. Three best bets. I know you've been working on these for quite a few days. It's always hard to narrow these games down and pick three of them that we like the most. So from each of our perspectives. So go ahead. The floor is yours. Take as long as you need. Give the listeners three more big winners. 
Hope so. Well, I took a week off for the Thanksgiving holiday. I just wanted to recollect my thoughts. I've got a really, you know, big few weeks planned here because I'm trying to get back on the positive sides of things. I'm just under 500 for the year, and I would really like to set up a, a, a positive uh, number on on my book today and and f- going forward uh, before we get to the playoffs. It's always good to be in the green before you get to playoff season when anything can happen and and betting gets even tougher with less games on the board. The bookmakers get a lot more time to focus in on the specific matchups and make it even harder for you to win when it comes to the playoff time. So I'm going to do something special this week. I know it's been a crazy holiday season, uh, you know, unlike any other. So I'm going to do something that I don't think I've ever done before. And I'm going to pick three straight unders this week on three different games. And I think that I feel good about all three of them. They're all three division matchups. And let's start with the Indianapolis Colts versus the Houston Texans. Right now, the under about 52 and a half. The Texans have played, uh, you know, pretty good ball lately. They won on Thanksgiving against the Lions. Meanwhile, the Colts got blown out on their home field uh, on Sunday in their last game. So, kind of coming in different uh, different momentums between these two teams. However, I think both of these teams set up nicely to go well under that 52.5 number. That's a lot of points to be scored. I think that they've shown that they can do it, both the Colts and the Texans this year, but not in this spot. I, th- I think that the Colts' offense is not going to be able to keep up with the Texans' offense in terms of production, but I think that the defense of the Colts is going to make the difference in this game. I've been talking about them all year. They play good defense. I think they're going to shut down Deshaun Watson enough and keep this game within reach so that it does not go over 52 and a half. So give me the under in Indianapolis and Houston. Another under, this one's a little bit lower at 46 points. The New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. The New Orleans Saints have now won two games in a row with Taysom Hill at quarterback. He's starting to prove the doubters wrong, but they do not look like the same offense. Let's be real. Drew Brees is not walking through that door, if you will. I think that this one is going to stay low, mostly because of the Falcons. They have been playing some really tough offense, uh, tough offensive drives in the last few weeks. They put up 43 points last week. They had a big game, but it really seemed like they were not clicking on offense. Usually you see Julio Jones with big stat lines. Usually you see Matt Ryan throwing the ball all all over the field. That was just a a dismantling of the Las Vegas Raiders. It really wasn't uh, a pure offensive juggernaut that we're used to seeing from the Falcons. I don't think they're going to do that two weeks in a row, which is why I'm betting the under in this game uh, versus the Saints and or with the Saints versus the Falcons. And then finally, another division matchup. This one kind of in the middle between the first two, 48 and a half points. Give me the under Rams Cardinals. The Cardinals have been a very good story this year. They've been all over the place, uh, scoring points left and right, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Aaron Donald and the Rams. The Rams play pretty good defense every single time they come out, and uh, Kyler Murray did not look great against the New England Patriots uh, last week. Probably the first time all year where he was not able to do exactly what he wanted to, and he was kept in check. So I think that this one's going to be an easy under. Um, you know, it's it, it was a high-scoring game the first time these te- these two teams met, but I think that it's going to be a, a, a close one through and through. I think this one probably ends up closer to 21 20, something like that, uh, low end of 40s instead of the high end of 40s. So give me the under 48 and a half Rams Cardinals. That chops off a three under weekend, the under in the Indianapolis and Houston game, the under in the Saints and Atlanta game, and then the under in the Rams and Cardinals. I hope that all three hit and I have a three and a week once again.
All right, John, getting creative right there with his under special to start this month. Three unders for John Spataro as his best bets for week 13. I, Jason, got you. I'm going to go all sides here. I'm going to stick with the sides, stay away from the over-unders, leave those to John. I will start off by talking about a game that we had already mentioned, so I'll just recap it here real quick. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills minus the three against the San Francisco 49ers. We touched on this in their, our last segment. The 49ers inconsistent this year. The Bills, one of the better teams in the AFC East. Hard to believe at 8-3 and three, they lead that division one game better than the Miami Dolphins, who are also a surprising 7-4. and four. So I like the Bills and Josh Allen to cover the three against the 49ers, who've been very inconsistent since making the Super Bowl last season. I am also going to go ahead here, and I am going to jump on the Arizona Cardinals. We've not talked about this game. I'm going to take Arizona plus the one and a half against the Rams down in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, Jared Goff has not been playing very good football. Sean McVay's offense does not look like the offense that got that team to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago where they lost that game to the New England Patriots. But you go ahead and you look at that Arizona Cardinals team. They're inconsistent too, but at home, Kyler Murray, I think, is going to put up some points. I like the home underdog here, so I'm going to go ahead and take the Arizona Cardinals plus the one and a half. And then we'll go ahead and we're going to take this one now. This one might shock you a little bit, but I'm going to go with it for a big reason. I'm going to take the Houston Texans at home plus two and a half over the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts had a huge win over the rival tennis, or they lost that game, I'm sorry, against the uh, rival Tennessee Titans last week. The Colts normally, what I was about to say is they normally have huge wins over the Tennessee Titans. Over the last 10 years, the Colts have dominated that series, but they lost that game to Tennessee last week, and I think that's a big letdown spot for them, losing to their arch rivals. So I'm going to go ahead and say uh, the Colts get spanked again here on the road as they're going to lose this game to the Texans. Deshaun Watson will make enough plays to get it done, as the Texans, of course, did beat the Lions back on Thanksgiving Day in Detroit. So give me the Texans plus 2.5, the Arizona Cardinals plus 1.5, a couple of dogs barking right there, and then the Buffalo Bills minus 3 as Jason Gotch's best bets of the week. For John Spataro, I am Jason Gotch. Always great to have you here on State Lines. We will talk to you next week for Week 14 with more winners. Enjoy the Week 13 card, everybody. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.